0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam the Sam Moses. Holler. We're doing a li- we're doing this podcast a touch differently today. So we had some slight technical difficulties. So if it sounds more internet-y, <laughs> then that's because it is. The difficulties <laughs> was uh, Sam forgot his headphones. Listen, man, I'm not about calling people out.
1: <laughs> it's pretty yeah. simple. It wasn't a difficulty. It was a mental error. I'm not about calling people out. but it was in my wife's car, that I'm usually not in. I took my headphones and I left them in there. And I don't have two sets, so I
0: should keep an extra set at the studio. With all the other headphones. Yes. <laughs> so anyway. So it's all good. So today's episode is going to encompass the question of do you need a degree to do what we do? Uh, (laughs) To do what we do. Do what we do? Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of people talking about this and there's a lot of um, good information, a lot of funky information. I don't say any of it's bad, but there's just (laughs) a lot of information and you have to uh, wade through whatever type of pool that is, uh, as discerning, uh, as possible with as much wisdom as possible. Because if you, uh, if you do not go through that and like weigh in, uh, weigh out all your options, you could end up uh, getting yourself into uh, a little bit of a weird financial situation so I think I have to sneeze for the first time in like 60 episodes so if I do I apologize it's allergy season I don't have allergies but man it's like it's like coming and going I think I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm good I was like whoa what is this Have it? I've, I've made it 60 episodes without a sneeze <laughs> alright I think I'm I think I'm in the clear wonderful I think I psyched my sinuses out <laughs> But if I didn't, <laughs> anyway, this episode's already off the, ra- off great. the rails. So Sam, Matt, do I'd like to hear your opinion on do you need a formal education in this great. to get off the ground? I'm so ready. Consider yourself teed. Perfect. All right. So for everybody listening,
1: I do not have a formal education in audio at all. I have a business degree, and I actually have a biblical studies uh, degree as well. And I got you, into so you dual majored. I dualed, yes, oh. um, yes, crazy, right? I'm an overachiever. Um, I also graduated early as well. With that, <laughs> what year did you graduate? Um, my gosh, I don't know. I did it in three and a half years. Damn. Which um, I don't recommend at all, (laughs) but I just wanted to get through it as quick as possible and um, get on to music, honestly. For me, um, music was plan B during college. I had a very hard time convincing um, my parents, I think, at the time, which is I understand that, I wanted to do music. I wanted to be in a band. Um, I tried to drop out of college every semester. Hmm. Um, and they kind of made a deal with me that they would help pay for college. They didn't pay for all of it, but they paid for a lot of it. And then um they said basically, you know, once you're out, you can do whatever you want, but at least you'll have a degree to fall back on if and when music doesn't uh work for you. So Hmm. That was all fine. That was a very um, fair deal. But I feel like I knew very early on uh, out of high school that I wanted to do something with music. At the time, it was being in a band. Um, That moved quickly into wanting to do studio stuff, which we've talked about before, uh, a bit about my story. So if you don't know that, just go listen to all 50-plus episodes before (laughs) this one (laughs) to catch up. Um. But I did not have any formal uh, training once I got out of the band, and my first, um, you know, formal education was the typical—maybe well, not typical. I don't know. I—I I was making hip hop beats, and um, I went back to some of the guys that helped us with our original band, a band's album, and asked them if I could just kind of watch them for a bit. So that was pretty informal. There was nothing specific, but that eventually led to me going to a different studio and kind of being a hip-hop producer engineer and watching that the senior engineer and the guy who owned the studio um, do his work. And that was really my first experience with any sort of education on how to record, mix, master, produce um, on a professional level where people are paying you and you make music every day and people pay you. It's very normal. Um, So for me, I didn't have, um, I didn't have the choice to have a formal education in audio. I felt like after I got done with college, I was very much like, well, I'm not going to go to a different college to get an audio degree and spend $10,000, $15,000, $20,000, $30,000, $40,000. 10 15 20 30 40,000. Um, dollars I'll just do it the um, typical intern assistant way. And um, one of kind of the interesting things is um, my story is that by not having any formal education um I had this naiveness and naive approach to mixing and mastering that I know, one hundred percent, has helped me um, shape my sound. Because if anybody's been listening to our podcast, um, I think it's pretty clear that I master um, in a way that is not always traditional, in that I use all sorts of different gear and signal chains. Um, I love color. I love quirkiness. Um, I've used I use non-mastering gear. I have a lot of great actual mastering gear. As well, but I'm not afraid to like run a mix through a 1970s Yamaha PA that I have just to get a different coloring if we want like an indie rock 70s sound. Um, You know, it's like a $200 PA system, but I know how to use it and it gives a really cool, unique product that's reflective of the client's vision. So there's a lot of things um, that not having a formal education kind of allowed me to never I never felt like I was in a box um and I still don't feel like I've ever been in a box and I've never been in that position where I've approached something and gone well you're supposed to do a 4 to 1 ratio with a point 3 attack and then this type of release um because that's what so and so says or so and so does or the book said um but with being with saying all that um There are tons of foundational things that formal education can give you that can be so dang helpful um, that I feel like I had to learn the hard way. Um, I don't know if I would have needed four years of formal education or two-year program, but things like signal chain, um, just how to communicate. To me, like education, um, the way I kind of view it now, is like education and formal education as we know it um, isn't so much about like getting the right or wrong answer. It's more so about like the long-term effect that the educational process has on you socially, emotionally, mentally um, and teaching you how to troubleshoot and learn lessons. Even if you fail a test, Um, there's some deep learning that can be had or wisdom gained if you, choose to do something and fail a test or you choose to study and miss out on something. Um, So education for me, I think, is formal education I have no issues with. Um, I never liked school mainly because I don't think um, it was set up for someone like me at the time. Uh, There wasn't much creative uh, stuff going on back then like they do now. Um, And I had... I don't know. I I mean, like a lot of people, I just sat in a desk for six to eight hours a day. And um, for someone like me, that is my nightmare. Um, That is my worst case scenario. I do not thrive in that environment. Um, I just don't. And it has nothing to do with, I don't have ADD. I'm not OCD. Um, I have my fair share of of things, of issues, but it's not an issue of um, attention deficit or or anything like that. It was, it's matter. It's just an issue of I always felt like, I mean, I told a lot of my friends and they still tell, like, I just would always say, like, I'm jumping through the hoop, like, I'm jumping through hoops. And my education, my formal education in general felt like jumping through hoops. I also think now at 32, um, I would love to have gone to college at 30 um, Mm -hmm. because I appreciate wisdom and education now. I see the value of it, um, beyond viewing it as jumping through a hoop. Um, but at 18, 19, 20, 21, I just didn't care. Like most kids, um, I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do other than I wanted to do music. Um, and like most kids who go to college, I mean, I did my fair amount of partying, um, and socialization, or zizine, whichever. Socialization. its <laughs> probably the correct word. Good formal education I have. Um, but yeah, I just I think there's there's good and bad to both. Um, if I could do it again, I wouldn't go get formal education in audio. If, if I could do it again, I would have moved to Nashville at 18 and skipped college altogether and done the assistant intern thing, and got a you know a job waiting tables or something, and started at eighteen. As opposed to I moved here seven years ago, so I moved here at twenty five. So I can only imagine if I would have moved here at eighteen, um, and this isn't a regret or anything, but um, it would have been nice to be here at eighteen and had at this point over ten years being in town. Um, just because I see what um, the benefit is of being in Nashville, um, being in the community, the longer I'm here, the more people I meet, the faster my career grows and the cooler projects I get to be a part of. And part of that just comes from strictly being here and participating in the community and um, being around in town and showing that you're here and you want to be a part of the music industry. So... That's kind of my first monologue, Matt. I want to hand it off to you because I could keep talking forever. But um, you know, formal education, do mastering, do you need it? I don't think you do. If you go get it um or or do it, that's great too. I think it's just a matter of looking at how you learn and how you want to learn and how you want to spend your resources resources, which is time and money and energy. So You could go to school and spend a lot of money, or you could spend that same amount of money on some rent and just trying to be an intern somewhere and work your way up. Or you could screw all of that and just spend that same money on like some awesome gear and a speaker setup and just start rolling. (laughs) So anyway, Matt, I'm going to hand it off to you. What do you think?
0: I literally wrote a whole page of notes. Heck yes, come on. (laughs) While you were... Uh I'll send this to you because I just think it's impressive <laughs> look how much I can write while you're talking this is how long your monologue was Sam Um it's good ten so minutes. yeah um, so nothing did you get my picture yeah it's great notes it's massive yeah so no path that I was on when I was 18 would have set me up for where I am now yeah um I don't know how to frame this episode out yet. Not this one, but I'm gonna preface another episode idea that I've had. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I've told you this, but it's like if if 16 or 18 year old Sam Moses would see where you are today, mm-hmm. what would they have said? Oh my god! And that's like <laughs> that's like a future episode, like way down the line, like really introspective. Yeah, but it's just like no, like for anyone who is listening to this, who is, uh, call it at that college age and whatnot. And, um, <clears throat> uh, just, uh, nothing, nothing that I would have done would have ever gotten me to where I am. Yeah. And it's like your path changes so freaking much. Mm hmm. So it's like when I was 18 years old, I wanted to be a pilot. I was a pilot. Um, <clears throat> I went to a military college for four years of my own choosing and not <laughs> not under court order. <laughs> and uh, the day before I matriculated into this college, uh, I spent a good part of the day before um, passing the check ride for my pilot's license. Um and that's legitimately what I wanted to do. Um, so that was that was the path that I was on. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. And then I didn't even want to fly fighters or bombers or anything. I wanted to fly cargo. And because I could go from being a cargo pilot to I wanted to then get out and then fly for FedEx or UPS. Or Prime now has their own... Um, Planes that they're flying around, and it's like I don't know. I wanted to fly for for just like shipping boxes around because boxes don't complain when you got bumpy weather. <laughs> so <clears throat> I wanted to do that, and uh, yeah, essentially retire with a uh, <laughs> with an Air Force pension and a uh, pension from UPS and FedEx, and then live fat and happy. Um, that was that was the goal then. And then uh, there was a lot of interesting turmoil with the economy around the 2008, 9, 10, 11, et cetera, mm-hmm. like following years. And uh, a lot of that did not happen. Um, so after that, I got a job at a, at a cigar store. And then eight weeks into working there, I proposed a business plan on how they can scale their business and whatnot. And um, in turn, they uh, gave me a store um, down in Hilton Head, and I opened up that store in like a completely bum economy, and I learned how to market tobacco when you literally cannot <laughs> market tobacco. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I learned I learned that whole thing. Um, so here here's my take on school. Sitting in that cigar shop for five years taught me more about business. Than any business degree I would have ever had. Amen. Um, <laughs> a lot of it is like I running that store. I had no idea what um, net or gross profit meant. I had no idea what the hell a margin was. I didn't. I, I like any basic term. I had absolutely no idea. I'd never, never done this before. But now it's like. It's like I have to figure it out. I have like no one training me. Like this store was shut down, and then I reopened it. Um, I think uh, about six or eight months later, after it had been shut down for a while, and uh, I had to learn how to find all the existing clientele, and then how to appeal to that clientele, and how to essentially work my way into that community. And yeah, it's very uh, and fi- find out like how to like relaunch a closed business and it was, it was very bizarre and, and, uh, it's like drinking from a fire hose. And then I had to like learn all of this product. It's like, I had like a massive humidor. And so I had to like learn how to sell all like these things. And it's like, Oh darn, you in the cigar store (laughs) (laughs) had to learn your product. (laughs) Um, so, but nothing would have ever prepared me for, um, like, no business degree would have ever prepared me for that because I would just be regurgitating theory. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, I can do whatever analysis I want, but, I mean, it's a very, like, gorilla boots on the ground approach in order to get this thing off the ground. And uh, I don't think that anything has ever prepared me more um, for dealing with anything with business or anything else. Uh Like failing has. Mm -hmm. And failing really sucks. um, But you have to be able to take that loss and learn from it. And while it sucks right now, um, my main way of processing failure is okay, what, like, there's always going to be an upside to a failure or to a loss or something like that. It's like how I'm immediately looking for okay, where's the silver lining in this? And it may not be apparent for a very long time. But normally, whenever something is phasing out, a chapter of life is turning or something like that, there is, <clears throat> there is eventually a silver lining of, well, I'm glad that this happened. I mean, there's still stuff that like I still don't understand why it happened. Um, uh, like, why did I spend like a stupid amount of money to become a pilot? and it's just like like I I kind of like there's like a little part of me that feels like that little dream has been stolen so it's like there's still things that like I don't know why certain things happened
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but I don't think we'll ever know that type of stuff Um, so it's like I went to college for I went to college for psychology and then I uh, I was talking to the, like the Dean and I said, Hey, I'm really interested in like behaviorism and like these types of studies and how everyone like, i I really like knowing and how and why people react to certain situations. So, um, he helped me kind of form my course catalog into more of like a behaviorism degree. And, uh, we edited a lot of, uh, my courses that I would take and stuff like that, so that we can relate it all back to that specific sect of uh, of psychology. So I had that, and then I had a philosophy minor, which I really enjoyed. Um, so, but I mean, at the time when I went into college in two thousand seven, uh, the word on the street was you had to be an you had to be an idiot to not to be able to land a job as a pilot. Mm-hmm. So, with just a basic degree. So that was just like the mindset in 2007. And I'm like, I'm not like, oh, all back in my time (laughs) and all that stuff. So do you need a degree, um, to do this job? Um, I do not think so. I have absolutely zero formal education in mastering or in anything audio for that matter. Everything is 100% self-taught, um, do, I don't think that a degree holds the same weight now as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that doors open easier for people who have degrees as opposed to people who do not have degrees. And I mean, this is speaking from someone who like has another business, and I've recently gone through the process of hiring two new people. And uh, I remember having said, oh yeah, a degree doesn't matter, but when I'm reviewing resumes if I see someone who doesn't have a degree, not that it's a deal-breaker, but... um question mark. It definitely is like, okay, well, why did you not take this path? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I haven't completely processed that yet. So I do still think it opens a door a little bit better than um, just having a high school diploma. Um, I also think that... The social inter like acting that happens in college and whatnot is pretty important in developing like you as an adult and whatnot. And but I mean, I'm not by any means telling anyone go get into like insanely financial like straits to like open up doors a little easier. If you want to be, if you know you want to be a producer or a mix engineer or a mastering engineer, just I would just say just do it mm-hmm. and. <laughs> I would start building your rig, That's and I would start building your room. Um, So if I were to do it again, man, and I knew I wanted to be a mastering engineer, what would I do? (laughs) Would you go to college for audio, Sam? Like right now, if Mm -hmm. you're like, I want to be a mastering engineer, and you were 18. No. You would not? No, I would...
1: I would go find a mastering engineer to learn from. I would also move. I mean, I can't, I mean, it's it's such a heavy bias, but if I yeah. could do it all again, you know, I would move to a, a music city, no <coughs> pun intended, be it LA, Nashville, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Miami, uh, even like Austin or Dallas, Texas, a major hub. Um there's there are so many opportunities that have come. To me, not easily, but just being allowed to put myself in a position to learn and work with the people who make the albums I like—that was the whole reason why I moved here. I mean, that was like the best—I mean, the best education I ever had. And I guess, Matt, if you're fine, I'll start talking again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm. I'm I'm thinking if I would have still gone to college, (laughs) if like I am where I am right now yeah and i wanted to be a mastering engineer but like back at 18 yeah would i go to school so you you chat i'm i'm thinking if i would do it or not my my best education experience i ever had was at mix with the masters which is mainly
1: for mixing um and engineering producing has nothing to do with mastering um but when i started that was shortly after the band thing and i really thought i wanted to do mixing um and engineering like full-time and um but while I was there, that educational experience was the demystifier that um, there is no right way to do anything. In you hear paper, I'm taking more notes. Great. <laughs> Starting
0: page two, I have an idea.
1: <laughs> There's no, um, there were no rules there. Um, we all looked at each other's sessions. You have the master, You know, like whoever's there for the week they look at your sessions, they open up their sessions, you get to record a band together. And I just kept every day being like, oh, you're allowed to do that. Oh, you're allowed to do that. Oh, you're allowed to do that. And I came away just, the two things were, you're allowed to do whatever you want to make the sound you want, make the art you want. And number two was that basically, if you really want to give music a go. One of the best things, and it's not required, but it definitely gives you an advantage, I think, um, is to move to some place where you can actually have the chance to learn from people who make the records you like. Um, And that for me has been a huge thing. and, And that's probably the best advice I could give someone on education is if you have the means to move to a city that does music, promotes music, there's people there that make a full-time living on music, they make the albums you like, you will have a much greater chance at succeeding, um, and not just succeeding, but thriving, and becoming a part of the industry. And now my view is even like, I'm going to become, and I'm becoming like someone in the industry where like I could easily see in the next 10 years, like I will have people... I mean, people already come to me to try and they want to intern with me or whatever, which is um, flattering, of course. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where my whole goal for so long was just to be like full-time audio, pay the bills, and just like survive doing music. And being in a music city has allowed me to see people every day do this on a long-term, uh, large-scale capacity and it's just been so encouraging to be here and watch people older than me and even some younger guys that are younger than me that do other things that are just crushing it like mm-hmm. that type of energy experience education hands-on you know type of experience I never experienced anything like that um in formal education outside of like In my college, we did like an internship for like two months or something where you went to a company and you, you know, basically got to see the real world. And, um, that was once again, probably the most beneficial thing of my educational experience. But that's just me personally. Like I have some friends who adore formal education. They loved it. They love that classroom environment, um, You know, and they they thrived. I have a couple good buddies who went through formal audio education, be it at Belmont or Blackbird or SAE, and they are amazing. And they got instant jobs like out of audio. I just saw Matt's page two notes coming through. (laughs) (laughs) Um and so I have I have plenty of guys in town who have done the opposite of me, who said, you know what, I'm going to formal audio, you know, I'm going to do the thing, two-year course, whatever, and they came right out of the gate with a placement at a huge studio, and they're, you know, they're all doing great things, you know, almost instantly, and they all have a wonderful working knowledge of audio, like, I mean, I've met my handful of kids that also went through formal education, don't know anything, but I also know so many people who have no formal education and are here, and they're just it's kind of like oh man i I don't think this is for you like you're not gonna get it like you have to if you don't go to the formal education route, then you have to be a huge um i don't know self motivated task driven business person mm-hmm. and I think that to me is like. Until I understood, I mean, and this is where, like, to me, almost my my business degree, part of it, you know, that's probably the most valuable thing in my formal education because it gave me at least a heads up that, hey, business is business is business, and industries are all essentially the same. Excuse me, voice crack. <laughs> at the end of the day and um, <laughs> back in college um, or high school. Um, and so that helped me a lot, like going into music, knowing like, okay, the music industry is a business. It's a giant <clears throat> billion dollar industry. And so that means people care a lot about money. They care a lot about product. They care a lot about target audience customers. And that's probably the main end goal at the end of the day because it's business. So I had that mindset kind of going in to audio um, and it took me years to figure out the balance of art and and money, which should be a book someone writes. Um, <laughs> mm. But, um, but yeah, I I think you know to our audience, it, the, it's all so heavily based on what is your goal. Like, if you really like formal education settings, and you find that the money spent is worth it, and you're going to apply yourself and use the potential connections or like the the. I don't know, just what could come out of that, then it's a great fit. If you're someone who already knows, like, no, I hate sitting, I hate books, I hate doing that thing, I just want to, like, go sit in the studio and, like, wrap cables and be quiet for two years until I get given a chance to do something, um, you know, and you're willing to just kind of absorb and shut up and take orders, which is just kind of how it goes. I don't, I personally don't really agree with that route, but that's just kind of how it is. Um as of now, but then that's the route you should go and, and take that money that you would have spent on college or the loans you would have got, get some, get some loans if you need to and buy some gear to get going so you can start applying what you're learning. Um, so I think it's heavily dependent on, on what you want to, you know, what your goals are and, and who you are as a person. Um, And then I'll, I'll kind of just summarize and I'll let you talk Matt. But I mean, for me, my, the thing, the time I learn the most is when I'm able to get around community and watch people work. Um, if you approach a session or if you're able, like for me in my studio now, like my buddy, Phil Barnes is producer songwriter. So freaking good. Um, he's got one of the rooms next door to me and, um, we just kind of go back and forth to each other's rooms through the day and watch each other work for like five minutes or ask, you know, what are you doing, man? Hmm. I literally learn something new every day. Like <laughs> there's so far like every day, my mind is expanding daily on like how to approach things, how to think about things. And I master all his stuff. So um, so he now has the luxury of being like, I can like see how the end product happens literally like 12 feet away. So yeah, it's awesome. he's able to now like learn more about the mix and master stage to then produce better, arrange better, et cetera. So I've seen that already, you know, in this new space, having a shared space finally is like um, the community aspect has accelerated the learning and just creative ideas. Um, it's It's 10Xing itself already hmm. compared to me being in my, you know, my own little mastering suite at home as I've been for a lot of years. So, anyway, those are my second thoughts, my second monologue in the bag. Matt, let's go down your page
0: two notes. (laughs) Oh, so you want to hear something weird? Sure. (laughs) So when... I was a kid and my voice dropped because you're talking about voice cracking. Yes. Yeah. Uh it never it didn't happen like how everyone else's did. I literally, I remember I was at my grandma's house and I woke up and my voice was deeper. And oh that was gosh. it. <laughs> I had no embarrassing like my voice is cracking moments. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Random, random mat fact. <laughs> mat fact of the day. Mat fact that might have to be a thing. <laughs> We're gonna make a jingle. Mat fact. It's just like a little like chorus of people. Mat fact. Okay, we have to All do right. it. I think. <laughs> um, this is knowing what I know now. If I went for a formal uh like music degree I feel like I would only go for the connections mhm and which is kind of like a savage reason to spend a lot of money <laughs> um but it seems like if you do it right it pays off pretty quick and as far as placement goes uh-huh. but I don't think that's the way that I would do it. Like, if I wanted to be a mastering engineer, I'd be like, I'd try to get out of my immediate bubble as fast as I could. And I would... If I had the cash to do it, I'd find a way to get into a place like Abbey Road where they have, like, stuff that... They have classes and coursework and whatnot... And I do my coursework and stuff like that, and then I would just find a way to like schmooze with like a mastering engineer, and then just talk and just pick his brain because these are the people who have been doing it forever. Yeah, and I would, I, and it's like I have a very just backwards way of thinking about education. Um, so if if I didn't want to do a formal route, um, and if I'm in high school, college isn't an option. I mean, who the hell knows it's gonna happen like with this whole like virus and stuff like that, and how long it's gonna postpone colleges and um yeah, I mean like if you're a senior in high school and you're you're planning on going to college uh in the fall, and like a lot of stuff's like all uprooted and not knowing this episode's gonna air, so hopefully stuff's kind of coming back together by the time this airs um what would I do in this time um I would learn the absolute piss out of a skill that interested me, that could get me from point A to point B. I think that um, we are in a time where you can legitimately learn almost anything online. And I would probably find something that I wanted to do that could bring somebody value So that I could at least hold a little bit of a conversation and maybe even get like an apprentice job. So if I was willing to move, I didn't have a lot of crap to move. I didn't have like a lot of like baggage and overhead and like personally. I would more than likely move to a city. Granted that coronavirus isn't a thing. Um, I would learn a skill like... I'm not saying electrical engineering is a skill that you can learn online, <laughs> but I would go on as many electrical engineering forums per se cuz it's just like something that like interests me. Like if I were to go back to school right now, I would go back for an engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Um so I would get an electrical engineering degree. I would um that's if I were to go to school. But I would try to pick up on as much stuff if I didn't go to school. Um in regards to electrical engineering, in regards to components, how they're manufactured, where they're manufactured, why did why like why capacitors? And then why, like, why did we go from tubes to transistors? I would learn the whole fucking history of like why did the tube even exist? And Uh, I think it was originally, what is it? I think it was Thomas Edison who discovered it and then he patented it without knowing what it was because he was trying to figure out a way to create a vacuum inside of a light bulb. And I think they had a little tiny um, piece of flash paper attached to some electrodes. I, I could be a little bit off, but I don't think I'm off by much. And essentially, as soon as it was sealed up, yeah, they would run a current through uh, these wires, which would then create this little tiny like explosion or something like that. it was not like an explosion, but it would it would be enough of a combusted uh, event that it would eat up all the oxygen. Because like, what what does a fire need? A fire needs oxygen, it needs a fuel source. So it's going to eat up all the oxygen inside that vessel or that light bulb. Um, And then I think when he, I think someone was messing around with it. I think it was his assistant was messing around with it afterwards. They put an electrical signal through, uh, or they essentially just electrified the contacts after uh, the thing had been, uh, spent because it was of no use when it was in the ball, but they were just playing around with it, mm-hmm. and like I think like sparks like started like shooting around in it and stuff like that. And he didn't, from what I understand, he didn't understand it, but he patented it and he patented it as the Edison effect. And then down the line, uh, where it was like a very early, from what I understand, an anode cathode setup or a hmm. cathode anode setup. Um, so it's like I would learn as much about all of that as I could. And then I would figure out how did tubes become um like modern day components. And then like how I think there's like a certain effect that like transistors and computers are like doubling every two years. And it's like, okay, well, like where where like are we going? And like how does all this stuff work? And I would learn the absolute crap out of every single component I could, how it fits. I'd buy breadboards that like I can like put components on and I would like blow up capacitors for the like the sake of it. And I would like I would tinker around until like I I, I don't know, I ran out of parts to destroy. <laughs> um but that's just me. I would I would learn the absolute crap out of a skill, and with that, I would try me personally. And this is like my far fetched reality. I would try to befriend somebody at uh, who was like a tech at a studio, and I would try to I don't know get in there. And then I would then if I was interested in mastering, I would try to kind of like work my way up that way. But I do things very backwards. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a very backwards thinker, but having a technical background and then going in as a mastering engineer, I think it's like, I look at all this gear that I don't know how to take apart. And it's like, man, I would love to be able to service like a piece of gear that's sitting in front of me. And I would, it's like, so it's like, why would you take such a backwards way to do this? Mm-hmm. Um because I want to be able to bring as much value to the plate as possible. And it may be an indirect path to where like I'm going to end up. But it's like, I want to work for a large studio or a label. And it's like, I think at that point, it would be easy to work your way up like from a tech who wanted to be a mastering engineer because you're servicing lathes. And you're working on all their gear, and you're installing it and pulling it from, uh, from their racks and stuff like that. And you can always ask. And it's literally you just have to be the second in line. Mm-hmm. So I would much rather learn from the technical side than have to be the guy going around cold calling. And my route, <laughs> my route has you getting paid and offering value to the people because if we if i want to reference an earlier episode um i actually have no idea what no, what episode this is in but it was i remember sam's that that if someone comes to town and offers like hey man can we go grab coffee you're like no you like if you want to like hang out with somebody you have to like bring them value yes And it's like, no one's going to hang out with you who's like insanely busy. You have to bring them value. Right. So I would find the back doorway in to bring somebody value. And with me, your gear goes down, and you're in immediate panic mode. (laughs) Because it's like, (laughs) shit, I have all this stuff coming in, and I need to make all this work. Oh, well, here comes Matt, the guy who knows how to do all this stuff to the rescue, saving the day yet again. And I'm going to find a way to form a relationship and then I'm going to find a way to be like the number two guy that like when you can't do something, I can do it. And that's the way that I would do it. But I, I have a very backwards way of thinking. Um, but my way doesn't have you cold calling and my way doesn't, uh, it has you making money along the way. Um, and it has probably like an apprenticeship In there, and you have a skill that, if that employment ever opportunity were were to ever dry dry up, you could then uh, be a freelance mastering engineer, or you could be this is after you had already done this, or you could be a freelance tech, which everybody needs a tech. It's like one of the most like (laughs) everyone like who doesn't have ones like should I need a tech? So that to me is a very invaluable trade. I would teach myself a skill and then I would, I would, I would work my way up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know my personality and I know how I would do it. Um, the one thing with a formal education that uh, people need to be careful of is sometimes you act like you're entitled to something because you have a four-year degree or a two-year degree or whatever piece of paper with your name on it. And you're not entitled to the air that you breathe. Uh the only thing that you're entitled to is to work. And to be like a decent member. <laughs> you know, I, you need to be a decent member of society. The only thing you are entitled to is really like that like you need to like work. Mm-hmm. Um that's why I I I I I feel like we were as humans like built to work. Um so, I think, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how far off the rails I went there. I think I went pretty far off the rails. <laughs> I don't think you went off the rails. I told you what I would do. And my <laughs> way is very unconventional. But it's like, I have you learning two trades that can go on and be a thing, even if you lose, a, lose one of those jobs or anything were to dry up. Right? right. I don't have you losing money. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's what I would do. My big thing though if you do come out of college don't like feel like you're entitled to a job. Right. And don't feel like you're entitled to the job. If you have to be a jan- if you want to work at a big studio uh and the only position that's open is a janitor, pick up that damn mop. Mhm. So I don't know. I think that's what I would do, but uh is a formal education necessary? No. I do think it gives you a little bit of a leg up, but by all means I do not recommend getting yourself into like a financial strait because yeah. of for the sake of a piece of paper, right? So, it is it is like regardless of what, say if you're like you're a younger guy or gal, regardless of what your parents say, it's not worth what it was worth in the the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, 60s. Uh it's not worth that anymore. So, it's a, uh, it's definitely like an interestingly weighted thing. Yeah. So, Sam, you got any last thoughts? I'm kind of keeping an eye on the time for you. My last thought is: even if you get
1: a formal education in audio, I can almost assure you that no studio will care about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think,
1: honestly, at least in Nashville, like everybody—not <laughs> everybody, not everybody m- but the majority of people. That are in the studio's assistant intern, and then become you know right hand man's or senior engineer or something. That I know have not had formal education. Um, their story is all adding value and doing what you just said, Matt, which is like pick up the mop bucket. Um, so I don't. To me, like. At my at this studio and how I've always done it. I've always paid anyone who's helped me. I don't believe in like uh, work for free. If you're adding value and taking things off my plate to allow me to make more money than I'm paying you, um, I'm gonna always compensate you. That's just my approach to business. I found that so far, ten years in, I have a couple. I have two guys I call on to help me when I get busy um, to help me with just admin work, essentially file file organization, upload printing stems, etc. cetera. And like every couple months, I usually have them do things um, like a week of work and I've always paid them um, more than most people because they're saving me time, which is saving me lots of money um, or it's just freeing me up to like go hang out with my wife, which is of quite a lot of value. Me hiring them had nothing to do with their education, and it had everything to do with um, them actually just kind of contacting me over and over again and being a not, a, I guess, a friend. I don't even know what it would say. Where I'm friends with them. Um, it was just a persistence that they kept saying they were willing to do anything and everything if and if the opportunity ever came up. And I started them both with something super simple, um and they both i don't know i found for me when i hire like people i just give them something super simple to start with to just make sure they can function and then i just let them go and tell them like you figure out how you want to do it um and i started paying them actually and this is a side tangent but i'll i'll wrap quick here but like i started paying them um based on flat rate instead of hourly because hmm. I was the type of person that I get more efficient as I do something and so I don't think you should ever be penalized by a per hour pay just because you become more efficient. Um and so something that may have took them 4 hours now takes them 2. Well they're actually able to go through more work and be more efficient for me so I pay them more essentially per hour now. Um and I just say get it done like you know if you're if you can do it in an hour, that's fine. If you can do it in 12 minutes, that's fine. As long as it's done and it's correct, then like I'm happy. So that's just something to think about and something I've seen like over the years of like and that's even like with what we do. Like I do I work like 75% faster than 10 years ago. Mm. <laughs> like I know that. And I make more money now than I did then. I spend less time on projects not because i'm rushing through them but because i have thousands of songs and albums under my belt and i know where they need to go um i've got the experience to to know where song is at and where it needs to go and i know how to communicate with the client to get out of them what they really want which i didn't know 10 years ago um but i don't get paid less now because it takes less time um i get paid more because I do a better job and it takes less time, so I'm saving time for the client and giving them a better end product. So that has more value now. Um, but that's just a side tangent on,
0: you know, on that. But I think that's all I have for today. Do you know how cool it'd be to be able to make your own converter? <laughs> that'd be so badass. Like, why would you not want to be a tech? Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Or it's like you have like a band on an EQ that like is just like man, I really wish like I got like this band and all like right this frequency and this frequency, man I really wish I could just do like an in between like right here. And as a tech, you could do that, right? That's so cool. Techs are or needed, be like, man. I have dB is too much. I need a quarter. If you you're can do a, that, if you're a tech in Nashville, if you're listening
1: to this, or if you know of a tech in Nashville who is actually a tech, not someone who's like put a guitar pedal together, (laughs) um, which is no shame to that, but...
0: It's just not the same person. Not the same
1: thing, and not the same person. Give me their number or contact because there are so few techs in town that are Mm -hmm. good. Um, So few techs to begin with, but so few techs that are actually good and do good work. Um, I will pay heavily for a good tech to do some stuff. Um, so that's definitely a demand. And that might not be a demand anywhere else but Music Cities, but if you know how to do work on gear, repair gear, mod gear, there is such a demand for gear modification like Matt's talking about. There's guys all over Nashville that would pay the price of the piece of gear to begin with just to have custom mod Um and uh, I've thought about doing it, learning myself, but it's just, it's, I've, try, I've tried the guitar pedal thing and I've, I've tried doing some things on my saturator. I used to have that I sent to a tech to mod because I couldn't figure it out. It's just something I'd, I don't feel like I'm gifted at, nor do I want to spend the next few years learning the basics. So if anybody's listening has got a good tech who actually does tech and not someone who does like three pieces a year just kind of for fun hit me up like i will pay you your rate whatever you want to do some to do some work on some gear
0: so that's all i have 90 percent of y'all were listening to me earlier being like man what the hell is matt talking to over there like what's he talking about going the back door trying to figure out a skill learning (laughs) something now i got sam on board i don't sound too crazy that's right (laughs) Now you got Sam on board. Sam's saying he's willing to pay whatever your rate is. Yep. Doesn't sound too bad now, does it? It's good. So always find a way to bring people value. Absolutely. And you will always get your rate. There you go. So, anywho. I imagine at this point in the episode, Sam has a sweet beat queued up from BezaBeats.com. Absolutely. If you would like to buy one of Sam's beats. And we have merch if you'd like merch I think we still have merch I really gotta go look in that closet I think yeah, we do. You I do Like, <laughs> Sam's like man how much are you gonna send me here whenever you have your kid but that's what's gonna happen we're gonna my wife and I are gonna have a kid in July and that room that room's gotta be turned into a, another nursery so watch out Sam <laughs> so anywho yeah theattackandreleaseshow.com um we still get orders. It's 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 awesome. Uh, a few resting glasses went out the other day. Um, yeah, people ordering mugs, resting glasses. I think some socks went out too. So, anywho, if you like any of that, feel free to feel free to give that a little peek. So, anyway, anywho, yeah. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Thank you so so much for tuning in and listening, and we'll catch y'all in the next episode. See ya. Bye.